What's going on, everybody? Jared Sandler welcoming you into the Just a Sec conversation. If you're here for the first time, we're really happy to have you. If you're back for some more, appreciate the loyal support. We've got the big 5-0, episode 50, here with Sarah Perlman. And Sarah's got a really interesting story. She worked for Masson, uh, which is the network that uh, covers the Orioles, and you also have the Nationals. Uh, and a lot of big-time sports on the East Coast. And uh, she was the sideline reporter, the dugout reporter uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. And and she had that job at a really young age. And she took a chance, went to NBC, and now she's doing her own thing. Uh, We talk about her journey, uh, her athletic career. She was a really good soccer player. And also what it's like to have a boyfriend who's battling cancer. Uh, We get into that part of her life as well. Uh, Sarah's a real sweetheart with a great story, and I'm really excited to share that story with you here uh, with this episode, The Big 5-0. Before we do, just a reminder, we'd really appreciate if you would subscribe to the channel, maybe comment uh, here on the page, click the thumbs up button, like it, uh, or just share the link. You got someone who you think might be interested in uh, this particular interview or any interview or any of the, the pieces of content on this channel, would really, really appreciate if you would share it. Again, you can uh, browse the channel for the previous 49 interviews. Uh, you know, you can, you can subscribe so you can get uh, up-to-date information when new content's released, whether it's sports-specific, whether it's a part of the interview series, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, try to bring a, a whole lot of different aspects of interest here on the channel. would really appreciate your support. Anyway, without further ado, let's get right to it. Episode 50 of the Just a Set Conversation with Sarah Pro. All right, Sarah. So I always like to ask this question. It is, I guess, kind of lazy and very generic and open-ended. But when you think back to your childhood, what are the things that jump out to you, whether it's your personality or hobbies or, or activities you were a part of? What are the things that just become top of mind when I say, Sarah, what do you think about your childhood? Well, first of all, I love that question. Um, secondly, right when you said it, I think just driving to soccer fields all around the state of Florida, uh, my lovely parents taking me to like endless tournaments is probably the one thing that stood out just because from the ages of eight to, you know, 18, it's what I did probably every weekend or every other weekend driving to a new tournament. So um, that's honestly the one thing when you said that, that stands out spending countless hours in the car with my parents or teammates and, and playing four weekends in, in two days, four games, excuse me, in two days. So uh, soccer stands out and endless fields and a lot of long car rides. <laughs> yeah. So soccer was, I mean, you, you just said it, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a, a big part, I guess, of your story during that period of time. Were you considering soccer as something that, you know, perhaps was uh, going to be a, a professional pursuit or was soccer always just something you were really good at, but it was never going to be anything more than just a fun activity? Like, what, what were your thoughts yeah. on soccer when you were kind of going through that playing, uh, playing in Florida? Yeah, when I was younger, um, I knew I was going to play in college at some, at some level or some degree. And then when I was 16, I committed to American in the Patriot League. I played there for two years in my first two years of college. And then I decided um, ultimately I didn't want to play overseas after college for various reasons. I knew I wanted to get into broadcasting. And as you know, I mean, it's a competitive industry and I just didn't see myself playing after college. So after two years, actually, I stopped playing and went into broadcasting. I transferred to UF where I finished my last two years of school. But at the time, 
you know, when I was 17, 18, I was already committed to college. I knew that I was going to play professionally was on my mind, but after playing, you know, two years of college and not wanting to to play anymore, you know, I kind of knew that was it, but I have a lot of friends that played overseas and loved it, but um, I went the broadcasting route and I'm certainly happy I did. All right. So I want to go back to the the childhood. Uh, What, what pushed you to sports? What was it about sports that, that made you a fan either just from a participation standpoint or even just following sports? Right. I think I grew up watching my brother, um, who's five years older than me. And he was, you know, lack lack of better term, like a hell of an athlete. So I spent endless hours at the field with him and my parents played in college. And it was like everything we did revolved around sports. And then when I got into him, I was so young. I can't even remember when I first started playing, but I think everyone like us that is truly like loves sports, just remembers sitting at home, watching with their family, going outside, playing outside all day with friends, whatever it was, basketball, soccer, my sister was, you know, cheerleading. I, I loved anything to do with athleticism and running around. So then, you know, as I became six, seven, eight, I still remember losing tournaments, winning tournaments. All my best memories are with my friends, you know, either celebrating or even driving home to, to get ice cream when we were young and lost and we were upset, you know. So I think um, I think just having my family, honestly, being huge sports fans and my whole life being surrounded by them is the reason probably to this day where I'm going crazy now without them. I mean, it is my life. Like most of us, it sounds so funny, but it's everything that has led me to where I am now. And if I'm not mistaken, you went to St. Thomas Aquinas, and that's yeah. uh, that, that's got a pretty rich sports history too. So I guess even in school you couldn't get away from uh, the, the sports backdrop. Yeah, no, exactly. St. Thomas felt like uh, college for football. It's a breeding ground. I mean, I always joke, I'm like, um, the Bosa brothers came out of St. Thomas is like my claim to fame in terms of NFL players. I mean, the school just breeds amazing football players and our soccer team was great too, but it felt like a college atmosphere. So I could not escape it from when I was in high school. And then, you know, Florida had amazing athletics and, you know, now working in sports, it's been, uh, it's been fun, but high school was really, really fun. All right. So you talk about going to American and then, and making the switch, right. uh, to, to broadcasting what was it about broadcasting once you got started that that hooked you that that you know once you had whatever those first opportunities were you're like yeah this is for me uh, I think I started in radio when I was in college and I remember liking it but I kept thinking there's something special about tv and being in the atmosphere and, and just do, like talking about things that you truly have a passion for and I still remember I was doing one of my first ever sideline hits for an NASL soccer game and I had like the biggest jitters I was so nervous I was so excited it's the only thing that gave me that when you're playing sports you get those anxious nerves that make you so excited and you know you love what you're doing whether it's right before the game and the whistle blows or getting on air it's kind of that first moment and I remember having that feeling and it's the first thing that somehow had a similar feeling to playing a game or getting ready for a game, but this time now broadcasting and I'd never want to let that go. I love the TV industry and I, I love sports and it's the closest thing to playing and being in the action. And, and I love it truly. All right. So you, you started working for the Orioles and, or, or, or covering the Orioles and, and doing right. some stuff, I believe with the nationals at a, at a really young age. There are people that, uh, you know, they, they bust their tail for uh, however many years and, and you earned this, this awesome opportunity. Uh, you know, obviously it, it's something that uh, you, you found a talent in. What was it like doing what you were doing at the level you were doing it at 
you know, at such a young age? What, what were the challenges and what were the, the benefits, perhaps? Certainly a lot of challenges, I would say, first, just getting used to dealing with, with amazing professional athletes, trying to garner these relationships when you're new in, a, in the industry. I know you can relate, you know, trying to talk to some of the best players, whether it was on the Nationals or the Orioles, and just making sure all your facts were in line, all the research was done, and I think people know how much work it takes, but certainly when I was 23 and started, no, I was younger, I was 22, started covering them. Um, it's different going from covering soccer on a much smaller scale to going to Major League Baseball. So, you know, to your point, a lot of challenges just get, like getting athletes trust right off the bat. And once I did that, everything fell into place. But that was first and foremost, I think, the, the biggest thing. And um, I think the best part was kind of just, you know, being a new, fresh face, maybe getting a different perspective. I think one of my favorite things, and I don't, I don't work with athletes now in my job, but working with athletes, I think my favorite thing was just getting different stories that maybe people weren't asking questions for or letting, you know, players open up in different uh, angles or stories that they wouldn't typically talk about. So I think getting those relationships right off the bat um, at a young age did help me for the next two and a half seasons that I did cover those teams. And then, of course, just the Orioles making people feel comfortable talking about whether it's their family or their childhood or weaknesses in the game or strengths, whatever it may be. I think it helped me in the long run, but it, it was challenging right at the beginning. Um, but I love telling people stories and that was my favorite part of, of working at, at Masson for sure. How do you go about building those relationships and, and establishing, uh, establishing yourself? Cause you're right. I, I think that is a big challenge, especially in baseball where every single day, <laughs> These players are used to seeing the same faces and, and, you know, they raise an eyebrow when there's a new face because they're not as comfortable with that person. And it's, you know, it, it's important to have those relationships. So how, what was important for you in, in, in going about that? I think if I were, you know, looking back and I had to give advice, um, I would just say it's really important to be honest and truthful to what angle you want to take in the story. If you can give a little background. I always try to say, this is what I'm kind of looking for, right? Like how I start the conversation before I even get the story. This is what I'm kind of looking for. I heard about this. Do you feel comfortable talking about X, Y, or Z? Or how can we make you feel comfortable talking about your family? Or do you have something else you want to share? Those are the kind of questions I would throw out open-ended. But to get there, of course, the relationship part, I think what I always did was when I, you know, try to introduce myself on a daily, on, on the first basis in the first few weeks in the month, they start recognizing you and, um, you know, being covering one team, I think, what's, and you know this, I mean, what's difficult is that you want someone to trust you and open up, but the second you say something maybe negative or bad, they're going to look at you differently. So there's a way of always being respectfully if you're going to say something that's criticism, for example, or making sure they know exactly kind of how you're going to phrase what they're saying or, or quoting it, whatever it may be, so that you're always being honest and truthful. Uh, I hope that makes sense because I think when things get construed the wrong way, someone, you know, wasn't listening correctly or talking correctly or whatever it may be. So I think it's really important to always have your facts right. And I think once players saw, you know, oh, she's looking out for me in the fact she wants to say or she wants to share my actual story and not make something up or, or be negative or critiquing right away, whatever it may be, that's the most important thing. Because I think a lot of athletes like to open up as long as you know, as long as they know you're going to tell their story and not add any fluff or whatever in between. I, I'm curious, if you don't mind me asking, what are some of the challenges you faced as a woman in this industry, and, and what are the things that you think are important to share to other young women who are trying to make their way? No, I don't mind at all. Um, I think my best advice, the best advice I ever got 
was always being yourself. And I know that sounds so cliche, of course, be yourself, but it's only going to help you in the, in the industry in the long run, because I think the biggest challenge being a woman, unfortunately, comes from a lot of men in the industry. And I say that because whether it's fans that think they know more and they're harsh on Twitter, which is really brutal. I've seen it a million times. Or uh, in person, I think sometimes different men in the industry and out of the industry, unfortunately, look at a woman. And this doesn't happen as much, but I, I remember even at the end of my you know, college and I was broadcasting, I was freelancing a few places and they'd be like, this girl's so young, you know, she's blonde. There's no way she knows what she's talking about when the reality is, you know, I worked my butt off to get to where I was and played a decent amount of college soccer and I've really loved sports and probably gone maybe even further in my athletic career than a lot of men and I follow sports just as much as they do but I do think being a woman and and whether looking the way most women do for TV they have a lot of makeup on and their hair is done they're like oh she probably doesn't know the game as much when I think that's pretty silly and it's false quite frankly so I think that's the one thing I did realize and I think it has gotten a little bit better and um I haven't worked with anyone personally over the last few years that stopped me. Actually, Masson was amazing, and NBC has been amazing towards women. And um, But I, I do think what's the most important is to stay true to what you believe in because a lot of times I'll get, I've gotten mean messages like crazy, you know, over the past few years, whether it's about sports betting or baseball or not knowing what I'm talking about when I've, I'm surely, you know, more educated on the subject that I've worked 10 hours prepping for. So I think sometimes Twitter bots and that stuff's negative, but I say stay true to yourself because there's always going to be people, um, especially towards women, that will try to put you down, I think, and, and try to make it sound like you don't know what you're talking about when really, you know, you put in more hours than anyone and, and you know exactly what you're doing. So I think my biggest thing is just staying confident in what I'm talking about and knowing that if I put the research in and, and do my job correctly, then that'll probably make people listen to me more and believe what I'm saying just by continuing on and not giving people a reason to think anything else. You know, I think we all work hard to be here. You, myself, other females, males, whatever, religion, race, color, it doesn't matter. I think if you're good at your job, it's going to show. And I think the more we move forward in, in this industry, we need a lot of different voices. And I think that's really important. You know, you said something interesting there. I think when people consider some of the challenges that, that women deal with, it's, you know, totally focused on men. And obviously that's a big part of it. But you, you mentioned other women and, and maybe even women who aren't in the industry uh, who pass judgment or sure. you know, whatever. Sure. And, and, and we all grow up knowing, you know, in high school, that, you know, the, the women can be catty towards one another. But like mm -hmm. you think people grow up, maybe they do. Hopefully they do. Some people don't. Uh, but has that been a challenge, I guess, facing stuff from other women as well, not just whatever hurdles men have, have put in front of you? Yeah, I think I think there is. And I do think that it's not necessarily people I've worked with. I've, I've seen mean messages from other females on social media to myself um, over the last few years, as many other women have. And I think that's just an unhappy person, you know, that doesn't like maybe females on camera or what I'm wearing. I've got comments about my shoes, about my hair, about my makeup, about on the studio when my shoulder was showing. I mean, I've heard things like, no other so I think if you just work hard and and you believe in yourself and you're doing what's right and what you feel comfortable with it shouldn't matter and I, I stand true to that with that but I, I I have for sure heard 
many comments from other women. Um, and I think they're probably unhappy and, and don't like much anything, honestly. So I just kind of ignore it. But I've, I've talked to some college students about the same thing at UF, and I always tell them, you know, you, you have to ignore that stuff because that's an Indian, Indian, any industry. We just happen to see it more because we're more involved on social media. One. All right, now, Sarah, you could have probably stayed with the uh... – you know, the baseball stuff and, and, and covered the Orioles and uh, had that job for a long, long time. But you you wanted to, to do something that, you know, I personally admire. And that's let's take a chance and, and try something new. And uh, I guess NBC came calling about, a you know, a project that uh, is not a, a traditional sports project. I'll let you kind of share more about it. But what what was it that they wanted and why was it appealing for you and, and why was it something you felt like was worth taking a chance on? Yeah, it's funny, Jared. A lot of people, uh, I do feel like asked this, why would you leave baseball to travel with a Major League Baseball team? I mean, you know what it's like and uh, go somewhere else. Um, I loved the Orioles. I really did. I loved math and I, I really enjoyed that job. Um, but when NBC came to me at the time, I knew the setting was, was becoming a bigger thing nationwide, worldwide, really. And I kind of wanted to try something new, and I thought, what better time to give it my all and and be able to dedicate to this new kind of sports gambling industry than now. I didn't want to be in a few years wishing I gave it a try, Um, especially when I had a passion for it, too. And obviously, you can't bet when you're working in sports, especially with an organization and team. So uh, I always loved it. I wanted to give it a try. And when they came to me and they were launching the Daily Line at the time, I just did a really quick... um, you know, little audition. I ended up loving the two co-hosts, um, Tim Murray and, and Michael Jenkins. And, and now the show's no longer, but, um, you know, COVID happened. A lot of things happened, but I loved it. And it was a risk I would probably take again because I learned a lot. I got a lot of on-air time with a four-hour show compared to, you know, doing sideline reporting. So I loved both jobs. I couldn't pick one or the other, but I think sports gambling to me is super entertaining. And I, I loved I loved it. I really did. And, and hopefully I'll, I'll stay in that sphere somehow coming up here. So, and just to be clear for people listening who aren't aware, and this isn't just me defending Sarah, this is just the reality. The show's no longer because of COVID. I mean, it's, it's, it's not that it wasn't <laughs> successful. It's not uh, for, for any reason other than COVID happened. And obviously, as everyone knows, things have changed in every industry and, Unfortunately, that's one of them. Uh, and I want to get to that uh, and, and what that was like, I guess, dealing with that, because I'm I'm so impressed with how, I don't know, it seemed like you, you didn't skip a beat and, 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 you know, dealing with it. But before we get to that, just in general, sports gambling is such a, a big topic. And maybe there, there are few who have as much credibility and in, in speaking to the future of sports gambling as, as you do with your experience with uh, with the Daily Line. So where, where do you see sports gambling going uh, in the next, you know, few years, uh, several years, you know, whatever the timeline might be, what's the future of sports gambling in America? I'm, I'm so happy you asked this because yesterday I'm still in D.C. I'm moving in a few weeks, but I'm still here. And I went to Capital One Arena yesterday, which is where the, the uh, Capitals and Wizards play when there's, you know, games in person. And they opened a sports book there. William Hill launched a sports book. And I did my first in-person bet, not in Vegas, at a sports book here in D.C. And I think that speaks volumes to where sports betting is happening. Kiosks, you know, regular people at the counter printing tickets. Um, and I saw 
a lot of people in there socially distanced, of course, placing bets, parlays, futures, whatever. And I think that's the future of the game. It's not to say sports are not entertaining without betting. I don't believe that. Sports are entertaining. We all love them and the game as it is. That being said, I do think it's going to be everywhere. And I, I think we already see that, right? If you watch MLB Network, we'll use that as an example because you cover baseball. I love baseball. The DraftKings winning lineup, which is fantasy sports every night. You know, who are you favoring in the game? The lines. ESPN consistently has Caesar Sportsbook, you know, lines up on the side of their screen. And uh, Fox Bet now, too. So I do think it's it's going to be everywhere. It's a bummer. Our show, of course, was canceled. And uh, I appreciate you saying that about COVID. It's tough for everyone. I'll miss it. Um, but, I mean, I do, I do think this, this is not going anywhere. So, for people that enjoy betting or, or like to, you know, report or broadcast it like myself, I think it'll be okay and we'll come back just because that is, in my opinion, where the future of all sports are going. And I do think we see that now. So, you, you know, as I referenced earlier, I, you know, I reached out to you shortly after the, the news dropped that mm-hmm. yeah, you were going to be moving on to something else and, I don't know. It's it's impossible to truly know how someone feels through text, but you certainly, through your responses, seem pretty upbeat. Uh, that's you know what you just experienced is something that no one looks forward to experiencing. But I think you know the way people respond is uh, is important, and it seemed like your response was something you would try and share to others and like, hey, this is what happened to Sarah, and look how she dealt with it, and and look what. You know she's doing now and, and stuff like that what where did that come from like why I don't know was it a support system are you just naturally I guess resilient in that way I'm, I'm sure you had like some moments of disappointment but like where did the ability to just get right back on the horse and, and be positive about what's next come from well they heard yeah I'd be lying if I said uh, it wasn't hard at first when I got the call I was upset but I think a lot of people now know that my boyfriend, Trey Mancini, is battling cancer. And I think from that point, when we got the news back in March till now, my perspective certainly changed on things that really matter, things you can control, things you can't control, and, and all of that. So I, I really do think that positivity and mindset is huge and mental health, regular health, whatever. I think it's crucial. So I was upset. I gave myself a few minutes to be upset. And then I'm like, this is what it is, right? The world is in a weird place with COVID and specifically what we're dealing with too here. So, um, you know, I think Trey kind of just came to me and, and was like, it'll be okay. And um, that resonated too, because I think it is going to be okay. And I don't think I could sit and wallow. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And I just think it's really important to try to be resilient. And I think better things are going to come for everyone. I think 2020 has been a tough year across the board for many people, myself included. And um, I think 2021 is going to have a lot more in, in store. So it's stunk, but I'm ready to move on to something new. And I think I'm just naturally more of an uplifting person uh, than trying to wallow on things that, that really aren't in my control. And that that's something new, something better. We, we got a little idea of what that might entail for you. Uh, and it involves, it involves Trey. So before we get into the project, uh, I, I guess, you know, you alluded to a Trey uh, was diagnosed with cancer, uh, and you know because he's a, a professional athlete and a, and a really good athlete that that maybe is more public than you know the the typical Joe, Steve, or Mary getting diagnosed. But what you know, being I guess not on the sidelines for it, but being right next to him, what's that experience been like? You know, for you 
uh, witnessing someone go through something like this? It's really tough. I would say it's gotten a lot easier over the last month or so now because we could see a final treatment. We're looking forward to that in the next month or two. So at first it was really tough. We were talking about it yesterday, actually, because on the podcast, that's really what our first episode is going to be about, you know, what we've dealt with um, over over the last few months. So it was tough at first learning to, you know, not cook foods that smell and make him feel sick when he's going through chemo and then what he likes to eat and running out to get Pedialyte for him because water wasn't fitting well. I mean, I've learned a lot and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully helping people that, that have to deal with a similar situation and, and really try and take care of someone that's going through a tough time uh, on your body, like chemotherapy and that drug. So it, it was tough at first, but I think uh, we've learned a lot about each other and learned a lot about how to deal with, with health and, and be positive. And I, I said that before I know, but I, I really am a firm believer that your mental state, especially during something like this is crucial to rebound and get better. And um, it's, it was tough for a few months, like I said, but every treatment has gotten a little bit better in the fact that we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. So almost done, coming up here in a month, month and a half. So we're hoping the scans come, you know, come back clean and we'll be good to go. And this will be in the rearview mirror. So it's been a wild time with COVID and cancer and helping take care of Trey, but we're almost there. So everything's looking pretty good. All right. So you shared on social media when you guys became uh, social media official or whatever, which is a thing these days. How how it all unfolded, how you guys met, but would you mind, I think it's a, I guess a cool story. So how uh, would you mind sharing kind of how your relationship blossomed? Sure. Yeah. I've known Trey for a few years, uh, just from covering, covering the team. And um, Trey's a really nice guy, super respectful guy. And um, we were friends, you know, friendly as working together. One of my favorite interviews, I always joke because I knew I could rely on really good sound bites for him. Um, and that was really it. And then I left for NBC. I was still living in Baltimore at the time uh, when I left in end of July. And uh, I would say about a month or two after I left, he asked me to dinner. I went to a really good restaurant, Team Street Oyster House in Baltimore before I moved to D.C. Kind of started seeing each other and then uh, spent some time in the offseason together and then kind of spiraled from there. And um, here we are. A lot has changed, but it's still great. And uh, it's been fun because I've known him as an athlete as a reporter, as a friend, and obviously now as my significant other. So it's been really cool. All right. So, you know, he is a great interview, and I'd love to to give you a hard time about that because – but I, I've interviewed him, and he's awesome. But what is the – what, did he have any flaws as an interviewer or as an interviewee? <laughs> like anything like, God, he's great, but like, is, is there anything to the fill in the, the blank? Is there anything you can give him a hard time about from that standpoint? No, and it stinks because I'd love to do that because I think it's funny. Obviously, we give each other a hard time. We're actually about to play tennis right now, so we always, you know, crap talk each other because both of our personalities. So I'd love to give him a hard time about anything, but but no. So that's why he's he's really good at, you know, getting interviewed. And now, um, you know, after baseball, he always said he'd try to go into broadcasting. He loves broadcasting, so that's how this whole even podcasting started. Um, so that's where we're at now. But I, I wish I could teach him more but he's pretty good he's a natural as you know he's a big fan of yours too yeah he, and he is a, he's also playing tennis he's a really good tennis player something i learned about yeah, trey I'm growing to, up i'm about to lose uh so all right you've referenced the podcast so tell us about what is next for for you and and as it involves trey as well this is uh this is exciting stuff 
Yeah, so in terms of really what's the big picture next for me, um, not too sure yet. Definitely weighing a few options. Going to see, uh, you know, moving-wise and Trey just kind of have a lot to weigh here for the big picture. But right now, we're launching a podcast uh, called Call Your Shot. And hopefully uh, hopefully coming up soon, you guys can hear it. It's really casual. We just wanted to – we get asked all the time from different people, what's it been like? How have the past few months been? How's Trey feeling? Um so we thought, what better way than to address it just as a podcast where we can just be us two and talk back and forth what the last few months have really been like on a day-to-day basis. So, and I, I mentioned before, Trey said he wanted to get into broadcasting. So I thought this is a good opportunity, you know, and people want to hear his story and my journey as well with, with how we kind of got here. So we're going to talk about it, see how episode one goes, super casual. And then if it's, if it's good and we like it, then we'll do an episode two and so forth. So that's where we're at right now, but we're excited. All right. So episode one, where can people find it? Yeah, we're we're, um, we're definitely going to be on, you know, Spotify, SoundCloud, hopefully Apple coming up soon. We're just waiting to hear back on a few things. So it's a fresh podcast, but hopefully everywhere pretty soon you'll be able to hear it. And we'll obviously tweet it out and everything. Does does Trey have like some like strong sports takes or is he like? Oh yeah. Oh, he does. Okay. All right. Big Notre Dame fan. Watches uh, watches almost every sport. Huge NFL guy too. Washington football team. So that's been fun to give him some grief about his new Washington football team shirt. <laughs> and um, yeah, no, yeah, he, uh, he likes to talk all sports. He's a huge Premier League fan guy now because I love soccer. So that's why it's cool. We'll get to. Uh, talk about things that he normally doesn't talk about in his day-to-day interviews with baseball. Okay, so you obviously like soccer, I'd imagine, because, you know, as we discussed earlier, you played soccer at a high right. level. Uh, but not, you know, not every, not everyone who plays a sport is necessarily a fan of that sport. So h- how long have you been, I guess, a fan of, of Premier League Ooh. soccer? I would say Premier League since my freshman year of college is when it really started. Um, I interned for Syracuse XM, and I did a... Uh, football soccer show with them um and it was fun and that's when I really became a Premier League fan I love La Liga um Barcelona is really my team but now I'm a huge Chelsea fan because I like Frank Lampard and obviously Christian Pulisic so it's been fun and Trey jumped on a uh Aston Villa uh fan fandom I don't know how so we've been kind of having fun back and forth with the two teams and we're looking forward to it getting started next month again <laughs> all right well don't uh don't judge me if I tell you I'm a I'm a big Tottenham fan I I've, oh si- that's fine I have a friend that's a huge Tottenham since fan, birth so. I wow yeah so uh cool. it's it, it's it's fun to see more people uh enjoy the the Premier League in soccer and and hopefully it continues to grow in America because it stinks that we're so good at so many sports but we're not good at soccer, and it bothers me, at least on the, on the men's side. On the women's side, we're outstanding, obviously. Yeah, yeah, soon. They're getting there. Well, Sarah, we really appreciate it, and best of luck with the podcast. Looking forward to uh, to tuning in and excited to hear what's next uh, in your career as you continue to grow and, and do big things. Sarah, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me, and uh, good luck with the rest of the season. Well, there you go. Episode 50, the big 5-0, the Justice Set conversation with Sarah Perlman. Uh, Let's raise a glass to the first 50 and another glass to the next 50. And if you really want to just get drunk, let's raise some more glasses to the the ensuing sets of 50 here with the Justice Set conversation. You know, it was great talking with Sarah. I, I think 
you know, what she did, the crossroads she faced in her career and the decision she made is, is really one that is quite courageous if you think about it. Uh, she could have just stayed with Masson and, and cruised, uh, but she took a chance. And uh, this is someone who has got a, a ton of talent and a really bright future and uh, someone who's really easy to root for. We'll be back for more. Uh, subscribe to the channel so you can be sure to uh, get notified when the next episode is released. Get that information front and center. Uh, we've got more Just the Sex coming here this week. This has been episode 50. Looking forward to episode 51 of the Justice Set Conversation. Hey, until then, stay safe, be healthy. Talk to you soon.